Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Uh, well, so much for snoring, right, Eddie? Right. Uh, leading off last podcast with some snoring, this podcast... Definitely not. Um, sleep has been minimal in the last 24 hours. The soap opera at West 56th Street continues. General Hospital, Days of Our Lives, Hourglass, whatever you want to call it. Are we approaching Emmy Award winning? Gotta be, right? Contact. Gotta be. Here? Got to be. I'm Kevin Bowen. We're back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner. Eddie Garrison uh, is with us. Um, what did we have it at? 27 minutes after we... Ended I don't even think pod. it made it to that. Was like it not I, even 27? I yeah. think it was like 15 minutes. Like I was trying to upload the podcast. It got stuck on 29% upload twice from this very studio. I'm like, all right, so what's about to happen here? So I, I leave the studio. I go upstairs to my workstation. And right as soon as I press the up button on the elevator, there it, there it comes through. And I give Kevin a call. And I didn't even have to say a word. And Kev, you go. I believe I had an early expletive. Did I not? I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I had an early expletive. So, if you want to go back and recap the Patriots game, check out yesterday's podcast. <laughs> um. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. All right, Eddie, let's begin... I kind of want to go in chronological order, if you don't mind, from I, yesterday. Like, let's start sense. with the Frank Reich firing, which seems to be like not even being talked about anymore. Um, and we'll obviously get a lot into this as the offseason unfolds, but Frank Reich fired after being extended uh, just, what, 15 months ago through the 2026 season. You know, I think ultimately what had Reich exit is you had some issues with him both offensively and as a head coach. And those were the two titles, of course, that he um, held. Um, I think you had worry about the accountability, the blind loyalty, the belief in Carson Wentz, not able to take advantage of the division. I've talked a lot about the CEO kind of managing the operation. Um, you know, do you just miss things? Do you miss player body language? How are your assistants coaching a game? Um, I, I felt like that was missing, and I know there's a lot of gray area with that. It's hard to kind of define in black and white, as maybe some of the other stats are, but I do think that was something that was missing. And I just wonder in general, I just think players just kind of stopped reacting to his style and his message. Maybe I'm reading too much into this, Eddie, but social media yesterday, I saw two guys offer support for Frank Reich. I saw... Maybe three. I think Isaiah Rogers might have had a picture. Rodney McLeod, Yannick Ngakwe, and Rogers, I guess, on Instagram. And the odd part about that is two of those three have only been not here for, what, six months? Right. Now, Rodney McLeod has history with Frank and Philly. Oh, uh, that's true. Um, but, yeah, Yannick Ngakwe is probably like, hey, thanks for hiring Gus Bradley. Um, <laughs> you know, the awful starts to seasons, the awful starts to games this year. Again, that's not been a common theme for Frank, but I would say that the awful starts to seasons, unable to seize the division. You know, he has had some say in the quarterback decisions, certainly Carson Wentz being atop that list. Um, you know, I I look at it and just think, you know, are some guys better equipped to be coordinators? And is that a little bit more of where Frank is at? Um, you know, when you look at this season especially, again, the slow starts to games, um, no halftime leads in 11 straight. Um, you look back on last year. Last year, I thought, was probably what started all of this, Eddie. The Carson Wentz decision is one part, and then the second part is you miss, and th- this plays into the first part, you miss the playoffs with seven Pro Bowlers, you know, the most in the league. That, I think, those two things um, ultimately is what did Frank in. Again, the record is nice, 40-33-1. I mean, that's an above 500 record. Um, but you're trending towards five years without a division title, one playoff win. Um, you finished 6th, 10th, 7th, and 8th in the AFC. And you're on, right now, you're 10th in the AFC. Um, again, that's coming from playing the easiest division in this conference. So um, The team itself 
Kevin, has kind of gone downhill since that week 14 bye last year. Yeah, really after the New England game. I mean, you start with that Cardinals game. I mean, arguably even, the New England game had some flaws. I was about to say, even still, like that New England game, that Arizona game, offense was not pretty. They, yeah. The only reason, really, they won those two games is because of your back and your defense. Right. Taylor, I wouldn't, Taylor yeah. put it on ice. Yeah. I wouldn't say that you won that game because of the quarterback and your head coach. It was I, trending down. It, it was, and it was continuing to trend down a bad path. Yeah. And... Um, so I think there was merit for that. Again, I like Frank Reich a lot. I've told you guys this before. He is top three nicest human being I've ever come across. Ever come across. And uh, Ursig still was like pounding the table for Frank even after he dismissed him last night. Say that again, sorry. Ursig was still like pounding the table for Frank last night. And so, and during the press conference, even though yeah, at, just got at rid times of I thought he took a shot at him with the oh yes comment. yeah yeah yeah. Um, but yeah, that, there were moments where Frank definitely did, or or say did you know point out Frank's resume and and uh, I think he's right. And honestly, similar to Chuck Pagano's resume. I mean, Chuck had yeah. a really nice run here from a win loss standpoint. But I think there's just times that you know in an era where it's time to move on and it, things were stale. Things were stale. So. Um, no issue with that. Again, the end season, you know, there's there's pros and cons to it. Um. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Should we move into the Jeff Saturday? Uh, yes. Do you have anything else you want to add about Frank? Nothing really. Um, I'll be curious to see what he does. You know, does he retire? I mean, he's under contract through 2026. That's pretty good. Uh, obviously, football has not been the sole thing on his life. You know, he I got saw, into ministry right after playing. I saw that he will be making around $180,000 a week through 2026. Not bad, right? I would uh, agree with that. <laughs> Not too bad for... I don't know how many weeks that is, but that's going to be a lot of money right. to not do anything. Um, the Jeff Saturday interim, yeah, I, you know, stunned. Absolutely stunned. Um, you know, our connection with him in that, for those that don't know, he is a guest on our morning show, Kevin and Query, each Monday, uh, usually around 9.30. He was a guest this Monday. Uh, great poker face. Where were you when you found out about the Jeff Saturday news, and what was your immediate reaction to it? Yeah, again, stunned, Eddie. I, I was writing something. I guess I maybe just posted the Reich. Yeah, I think I was starting to write. I'm, I, I'm form, formulating kind of two articles right now. One on um, what you should be looking for in the next head coach. Um, I'm starting to pile, and honestly, I did this a few weeks back, started to put together a head coaching candidate list. We can get into that in future pods. Um, but... That's what I was doing when I saw the Saturday news. Um, To me, more than anything, it's just wild. Yeah. It's just a wild move. Um, Unprecedented, without question. Um, Jim Irsay, and I think my co-host Jake Quarry pointed this out really well earlier today on our morning show. Jim Irsay wants Peyton Manning. What's the closest thing to Peyton Manning? His center. Jeff Saturday. So I think in a way he's always courted Saturday. And you know what? To be fair, Saturday has done a lot on his own yeah. to, you know, be in this position. You look at what he's done league wide from those labor negotiations in 2011, and we all saw the picture with him and Robert Kraft. I think that is something that he, you know, beloved around the NFL. So Ursay, I think, has always really, really appreciated that about Saturday. Um, try to offer him a front office job, you know, back when he left here. And um, Ballard mentioned last night they tried to hire him on a couple different occasions mm-hmm. in this era. To be he even said coach. this season too. Yeah, I thought that was the first time, and then this I thought was a little interesting. That yeah, he, um, I'm curious exactly uh, what that role would have been. I assume offensive line, um, but again, it, it's just wild to me that like. Two weeks ago, the Colts are down in Nashville playing the Titans in a game that the division is still up for grabs. You know, at that point, I think you're what, game, game and a half back, maybe, of Tennessee. Your head coach that day is Frank Reich. Your quarterback that day is Matt Ryan. Your offense coordinator that day is Marcus Brady. And 
Now look at where you're at with all three of those positions. Mm-hmm. Three three top ten important, arguably probably top eight, top six important uh, roles on for any any franchise. Um, other Saturday thoughts. I you know him as a leader. You know you you are blown away by the first impression. I mean, you are easily blown away. You watch that press conference last night, and you're, and you're thinking, more Jeff Saturday, less of the other two. <laughs> I mean, seriously, yeah. that, that's exactly what you're thinking, uh, or at least that's what I was thinking, watching it. Um, and I've always been impressed by by Saturday. I don't pretend to know him in-depthly. I, I certainly have had some behind-the-scenes interactions with him, but uh, always been impressed by him. I think a question is just in general, Eddie, of like, what can you learn in eight games? Right. You know, I mean, that is a short time. You don't have a bye week for another month, so it's not like you can press pause. And um, we're recording this Tuesday late morning. We don't even know who the play caller is on Sunday. Um, and then, I guess I'm getting a little bit into the Ursay thing of like, how does then Jim Ursay properly evaluate Saturday if you do believe he's more than a consultant? Because to me, this is a fifty-fifty thing. Fifty mm-hmm. percent of it is he is paid to be a consultant. Mm-hmm. We should point out. Consultants oftentimes are very third party with no emotional attachment between the business that they're walking into. There's a ton of emotional attachment between Jim Ursay and Jeff Saturday. And so, Jeff Saturday and the Colts. Right, right, all of it. So that is like awkward, yep. to be honest with you. And again, do you get the proper evaluation? Does Jim Ursay look at this through rose colored glasses? So, yes, is he coming in here to assess a, dis- a dysfunctional organization right now? Certainly. But I think there is a legit audition here to be the head coach and or front office, GM, president, whatever you want to call it, moving forward. There is, without question in my mind, that is a legit thing that is happening right here. Um, Could you see, I mean, this is all just based off of, you know, I've had a handful of interactions with Jeff whenever, you know, he would go on the fan morning show before you and Kevin Inquiry. Um Really cool dude. Do you have the impression that he is a player's coach? Yeah, I think, and again, this is something you have to do, and it's very difficult to achieve. I think he can walk a really fine line in being relatable to players, but also willing to hold them accountable when it's needed. You know, we all have seen the clips, and yeah, they're they're, they're fun clips to hear and see. Yeah, with him and Peyton May on the sideline, but there's truth to that. Like, he challenged Peyton, and not a lot of people did. Yeah, I was talking to a, a, a former Colt recently, a little bit more Ballard or um, Griggs and Pagano era, um, and 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 pointed out that you know from what he heard about the Dungy era was it wasn't so much accountability from maybe Dungy, but it was that locker room had so much player led accountability. Mm-hmm. And I think Jeff was a big big part of that. Um, but again, you just wonder how the locker room will react to it right here, right now. You know, will they react to that in a way that all of a sudden makes you think that dude can be the long-term coach? And not to mention, just in general, this is a massive step. Hebron Christian Academy, 20-16 and 16 as the head coach there, oh, yeah. hasn't coached there in a couple of years, and now all of a sudden it's NFL Sundays. Time management, where's the challenge flag, here are the headsets, halftime's only 12 minutes long, um, just the chaotic nature of how NFL games uh, you know, evolve. Again, the CEO type I've talked about with – Frank Reich, I felt like at times a little bit in over his head. I mean, what's Jeff Saturday going to feel on the sidelines right. Sunday afternoon in Allegiant Stadium facing a team that record-wise is certainly not great? And a tweet where he put out that the Raiders are not a good team. <laughs> right, which is hilarious and just adds to the, as the Colts turn, if I can use a, as the world turns, soap opera there, that's where we're at right now. You know, I was talking with someone yesterday um, in the organization and saying, when you're hiring a head coach, 8% is coaching, 92% is leadership. Mm-hmm. And you heard leadership a lot last night. A ton. I would smash that a little bit together. You know, I'm probably a little bit more like 75-25, 70-30. But I, I certainly hear you out. For the NFL, CEO, leader, means more than anything. And again, Jeff Saturday has a lot of qualities that you really, really like. A lot of that. Um but it's just kind of like, how do players react? How does Saturday react to this? Does he want to do this? I mean, he sounded like he does last night, but what happens after two months? Does he say, man, that family time I mean, this is much different from him. He lives in Georgia, flies up to Bristol a couple days a week, and flies back to Georgia. 
pretty good life right now in terms of you know still being mm-hmm. around your family a lot. Uh, does that change? Are his kids getting a little bit older to where maybe he doesn't need to have that you know fix that he had um, after his playing days? Um, and obviously he's been around the organization, you know, paid as a consultant and the ESPN analyst. It's still totally different getting in there Monday through Saturday, grinding, formulate a game plan. All of that is a lot, lot different. A couple other thoughts I have before we can get into the presser thoughts, Eddie. Um, members of that coaching staff have to be pissed. I was about to say, how much of a slap of a face right. is it to a guy? I don't want to say like a Gus Bradley because he has that experience already, but Bubba Ventrone, for example. Yeah, and if you're going back to the previous era, what about Reggie Wayne? Fair. You know, I mean, when I saw the Saturday news, I that's a name, Cato June. You know, it, yeah. If you want to go that route, um, you know, Cato's been coaching for a lot longer than, of course, Reggie has, and certainly Jeff has as well. Um, and you know what? If for some reason you don't feel like Jeff Saturday is going to work out at the end of this, or Jeff Saturday wants to do something else, Eddie, how does the NFL view this? What do players, future coaches, future GM candidates, agents, how do they react to this? Other teams as well. It's kind of a stain. And um, I mentioned this a lot on our morning show today. I think Jim Irsay is in a power trip part of his life right now. I think the Daniel Snyder public comments kind of kick-started a lot of it. Uh, and rightfully so, I thought he deserved the credit that he got for it. Um, I made that very clear, I think, on this podcast. But in meddling with Sam Ellinger and doing this and really going back to the previous era. Like, I made this analogy earlier today, Eddie. What Jim Irsay is saying about the 2000 to 2009 Colts and how great that era was and acting like it has extreme relevance to the here and now would be like the blockbuster CEO coming out today and being like, hey, nobody, nobody can handle, you know, a renting movie business <laughs> like we can and act like it's still relevant in 2022. Yeah. That's what Ursay saying with his upper quartile, quartile comments that made no sense to me in terms of relevancy in the here and now. And that's maybe the bigger issue I have with Ursay last night. It's that has less to do with the act of firing Frank Reich. There was merit for that. It's more to do with, can we live in the present? Can we live in reality and not live in, again, the hopeless romantic of memorizing an era that was now 12 years ago? You know how long that is in NFL life? This is where you're at right now as a franchise. It's no longer, again, the winningest era in NFL history. You haven't won a division title in eight years. You have won one playoff game in eight years. In the worst division in the AFC, the Texans, Jaguars, and Titans have all accomplished more than that. Go back in the last eight years. Your finishes in the AFC over the last eight years. 16 teams in the conference. 9th, 9th, 13th, 6th, 10th, 7th, 9th, 10th. Add that up, that's eight years, never finishing higher than six in the conference, and twice you're in the top half of the AFC. So the accurate way to say it is, in the most recent era, the most relevant era, the era that would still have some sort of resemblance to what our roster looks like right now, Mm -hmm. we are the top of the bottom quartile. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. And, And that's where just his words last night, and don't try and like spin this as like... Just because that era happened, that all of a sudden your resume is flawless and that this automatically is going to be some grand slam hire and everything is fine and well with your organization. We're here because that era told you to hire Frank Reich. We were there last night because they signed off on Frank Reich. So maybe Mm -hmm. listening to that era is not the end-all be-all and going to save everything. I know it's not necessarily apples to apples, Eddie, but it has a feeling of like all these teams that continue to reach into the Belichick tree or the Saban tree, thinking that like, hey, we're going to get New England success. We're going to get Alabama's. Now it's the McVay tree and success, the right. Shanahan tree. You know, and, and all across sports, you obviously see this. It, in a way, Ballard's kind of, or Ursay's kind of doing that by going back to that era of like, hey, we're going to get those vibes. 
We're going to feel that. Well, Bill Pullian as GM is not walking in the door tomorrow, and Peyton Manning's quarterback is not walking in the door. And I would argue those two, more than anybody else in the organization, I don't even know if it's much of an argument, they were the reasons why you had such a run. Um, I know I'm kind of getting off into a little bit more of the presser. Just a couple of Saturday notes. Feel free to chime in, Eddie. Uh, can I ask you one quick question before you get to your notes? Yes. I I heard you guys discussing this on Kevin Aquary this morning, and it's a it's a legit question that popped into my mind as well. You already said it. That was 12 years ago of the Jeff Saturday, Peyton Manning, Tony Dungy, Bill Polian era. How many of these players know who Jeff Saturday is, first of all? And second of all, how does Jeff Saturday react to the locker room if they really don't know who he is or what he has done? Yeah, and again, I think that is another relevant point of – I mean, Jeff Saturday last played in the league a decade ago. I mean, yeah, he's on ESPN, but yeah, guys are going to react a little differently to him. This is not, you know, I don't know. I feel like you see this more in the NBA where the guy hangs it up and then two years later he's a head coach. Yep. You know, it, it's not that. You know, there is a big time gap. And again, I like a lot of what Saturday stands for. A lot of it. Me too. I just think you're throwing him into like this awkward, no win situation, consultant, GM, head coach. You know, the emotional attachment to them, it's just, it's weird, man. Weird. Um, what do they do at play caller? Again, we'll see. I forgot Scott Scott Milanovic, interim play caller for the Jags in 2018. Uh, the first game that he was the coordinator for, the Jags beat the Colts 6 to nothing. <laughs> so he had five games, Eddie, of calling the plays. That was back in the Luck Day, right? Uh, that was. Reich's first year, yeah. Cody Kessler versus Andrew Luck in that game. Uh, the points scored for the Jags in those five games, 6, 9, 13, 17, 3. Embrace the tank. Embrace the tank, baby. That is that is exactly what it is. Um, Yuck for young. Any, <laughs> anything more Saturday-related before we get into just kind of overall presser thoughts and then Twitter questions? Um, I don't have anything else. Okay. So uh, when we get into this presser now... Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Uh, kind of want to go like person by person. Yeah, yeah, yeah perfect. Make it a little easier. Have to start with the big man in the big yeah. chair, uh-huh. not Drake. Um, but the guy who doesn't know how to make sausage Was and Jim Drake peeing outside? Do you think that's why we got started late? I don't know. Going on a walk around the golf, uh, around a couple of those golf holes outside. I was wondering why we got started a little late. I mean, the Colts offense doesn't show up until 30 minutes anyway, so. Touche. Very well put there. Um, if you want to know why your organization is in this current shamble situation, just watch the presser. <laughs> I mean, just just watch it. You, you, you're going to see it all. Um, again, I'll come back to the unwillingness to live in reality. That that's that's what I come back to with Ursa. I've never seen him that defiant, Eddie. I, I usually he will acknowledge the state of the franchise in a much more of a transparent way than he did last night. It I was know. hot. It was it was so defiant. Pot shots at Reich, Luck, the media. Um, those first two stand out to me more than the media. Who cares? I mean, you know, shots of the media. That's fine. Like whatever. I I really don't have um, too much of an opinion on that. The the weird analytics shot again. Yeah. Shot at luck. I'm just sitting there like, what is going on right now? And there was a and the shot like towards other coaches in the NFL of being scared. Yeah, I I like Jeff Saturday because he has no experience and he won't run the analytics or have the fear of running. I I it was all just very very odd to me. Um, and I kept on listening to Ursa and think again, this is a man that sat in that owner's booth and got down on the field at halftime two weeks ago, and the romanticism of that era encompassed him. Jeff Saturday's banging the anvil. Tariq Glenn's going the ring of honor. Peyton Manning's there. there. Edge is there. Marv's there. Dwight's there. Et cetera, et cetera. He's around Reg every day. He just romanticizes so much. And you know what? As human beings, we all do that to a degree. I I don't want to act like you know some outlier as a human being. We all gravitate towards that. But he's in a position where you've got to remove yourself emotionally at times from that. And I just feel like this is a thinking of like, this is a cure-all. 
This is this this is Hollywood. This is going to be great. This is going to work. It's going to be brilliant. Um, I almost texted Frank Reich last night on my way home and told him congrats that he got out of that. It, it just it had that feel, and I'm watching that thinking and talking to people around the NFL. Hell, talking to people inside that organization last night, they're like, "Holy shit, shit show." That is the exact response I got from. Multiple people, important people inside of that building and around the league. Again, if you're a head coaching candidate or you're a GM candidate and you're like, that's the only. Luckily, there's only 32 of them. So people yeah. will be desperate enough to say yes. But that was a reaction that I had watching that. I mean, people, how about Sean Payton? You think Sean Payton wants to be a part of that? Hell no. No chance. Um, it, it was. A couple other things, I guess, Ursay related. Um, he made it very clear that this doesn't happen if Jeff Saturday says no. If Jeff Saturday says no to him, Frank Reich is still the football coach here in Indianapolis. Jeff Saturday saying yes to this idea is why Frank Reich was fired. Hold on here. Here's my here's the way that I also viewed this at the time. I didn't view this as if Saturday says no, we're not firing Frank. I viewed this as if he says no, then Saturday's not the guy, and it would have been somebody else. No, see, I, I didn't get that vibe. I got the vibe that this was, this is more about Saturday than it is about Reich. Eventually, you would have got there with Reich. I don't act like that you wouldn't have, but I don't think they make this move in season without Saturday saying yes. Interesting. Yeah, and I, I'm pretty, pretty confident in that. Um, you know, I asked him. And I felt like the question deserved to be asked, and it was an awkward setting. Certainly, I'm not going to act like I sat there and, you know, delivered in the, in the smoothest of manners. But the question had to be asked, in my opinion, about Chris Ballard long term, um, and asking him that, and you know, him being very defensive about you know Ballard's resume, which again, you know, it, it, it is to be expected. And then attacked you guys. That's all. <laughs> saying the winning GM comment. Yes. I. I 44 or 45 and one. And you know what? Even if you want to put the record to the side, Eddie. Yep. You know, let's just put that to the side because it's an awkward first year with Chuck. But, you know, part of me says all I'm hearing about is numbers, numbers, numbers. Fourth in the NFL since 2000. Quartile, quartile, quartile. So, I mean, Ballard's resume is Ballard's resume. Even if you want to take out that first year and you want to put that record to the side, you're calling him immensely successful, I believe is a phrase to use. I might be paraphrasing there. No division titles. One playoff win, no direction at the most important position in sports. What, that definition of immensely successful, I guess, is not the Websters that Kevin Bowen looked into when he was younger. I, I, that doesn't add up. Um, again, more of these just Ursay words I'm sitting there and saying, I've heard Jim Ursay and seen other owners around the NFL get asked these questions. If he wanted to, he could have fielded that question that I asked him and said, when you're in a place that we're in right now at 3-5-1, and one, and we haven't won a division since 2014, everybody's under evaluation. Do you everybody think- is under evaluation. That would have been a perfectly acceptable answer. Because, Eddie, what does it look like in three months if they get to the end of the season and Jeff Saturday says to, says to Ursay, yeah, I think Ballard should be gone, and he fires him. You know, <laughs> then those those comments he just made last night are just so numb. I'm also not trying to diminish you here, but, like, do you think – even if that is true, do you think he would have said something like that with Chris Ballard immediately to his right? I th- well, first off, you could handle the press conference, I guess, in a different manner if you if you wanted to. Yeah. Um, secondly, Eddie, I think you could say everybody's under evaluation. Jeff's under evaluation. Chris is under evaluation. The 53 guys in that locker room are under evaluation. We are at a point right now in our franchise's history that we have not been in in, in quite a while. Everybody is being evaluated, and they are week in and week out. I like a lot of what Chris has done, but at the same time, and I think Chris would admit this, we're in this position as well because there are some flaws on our roster. Yes. And I guess that kind of leads into Ballard. I thought it was typical Ballard. Um, body language. Yeah, but body language was very reminiscent of the Andrew Luck press conference. Um you know, Ballard had some candid comments that I always appreciate out of him. I, I I do. There was one question, you know, he got asked about his roster, or, you know, kind of his part in all of this, and he immediately points out how well the defense is playing. You know, I, 
at the end of the press conference, you're in this kind of like uh-huh. you're you're swinging your you know what around trying to get a question, and you know you're screaming and yelling trying to get a question. I I, I kind of hate how that operates, but whatever. It's the nature of the business. I wanted to ask one more to Ballard about you know, do you feel like we're here because of the failure of your offensive line? Because in my opinion, we're largely here. If that offensive line performs an adequate level this season, Marcus Brady, Naheem Hines, Matt Ryan, and Frank Reich are still in the positions they were in at the start of October. Oh, 1,000%. And I just feel like that's a relevant question for Ballard. Um, but you guys have been kicking his shit for wide receivers. Yeah, I didn't really follow that one. I didn't. I didn't. I guess multitasking can't have. I, I didn't. That one did not add up to me. I, I was trying to think about that last night. Is I mean, last night was Max a was screaming his head off at one thirty. <laughs> last night you could really see Jim and Chris feeling the heat from you guys, the media, and the fan base. I think last night was like the first time we had. Anybody has ever seen Chris and Jim in that sort of tone, in that sort of body language, that sort of demeanor in, during their regime and partnership together? Uh, I want to throw this in there. I forgot that we had a listener from Germany named Tom Bush that needed a shout-out, deserves a shout-out, loyal listener, um, heard a reference from us uh, yesterday on the pod. And so I want to make sure we sneak that in. First Germany game coming up this weekend. Yeah. So apologize, Eddie, for going off a little bit there, but I just oh, fine. Um, have that come across. Give that to me one more time. Um, I said uh, that last night was like the first time that we'd really seen the Jim Irsay and Chris Ballard underneath their partnership really feel the heat from the media mm-hmm. and from the fan base. And it kind of showed in terms of how they were operating from their demeanor, their body language, and their choice of words and how they said things. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Again, a you know, Ballard... It typically walks a little bit more of a defiant defensive. That's just kind of how he's wired, which I, I got no issue with it. I, I I really don't. I know you know people look at it as smug and this and that. What whatever. That's that's his personality. Um, Ursay was more the outlier for me. I'm not yeah. used to that from Ursay. Yeah. And again, that to me is a reflection of top down, of what's acceptable within your organization at both GM and head coach. I get you made the move with Reich, but let's acknowledge to your fan base that you're in a current state that is not what we are used to. And I I think your fan base deserves that. Um, Saturday related. You got any more Ballard or should we move to Saturday? Uh, We can move to Saturday. I don't have anything else Ballard related. Smooth. Great. I mean, he's at his best up there. I mean, he's he's tremendous. I mean, mid-presser, he's winking at his wife. I mean, he's just like, the dude just (laughs) handles it all. He's just just smooth. What a Smooth operator. I like that they're playing Sam Ellinger still, and Bernard Ryman's going to be the left tackle. If you need you know? a wingman, hit up Jeff Saturday. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, sign up for the for the future. I like the story you shared about Peyton Manning and John Lynch, and that those guys, you know, X amount of years ago went back and you know have you know, kind of made a list of all right, who would your coordinators be? Who would your assistants be? Who would your consultants be? Um, again, there's a lot about Saturday that I am intrigued by, curious about, probably more than anything. But I'm just kind of like. What can you do in eight weeks? How do you properly evaluate that? Um, leader. You know, I've been in, you know, been fortunate to be at NFL owners meetings where Saturday is presenting on behalf of the city of Indianapolis for Super Bowls. We obviously saw him very public in the labor negotiations back over a decade ago. I mean, this dude can lead. Like, yeah. I don't doubt that. And, you know, in a story that I'm going to publish later, than, later this week, leader, CEO, all of that, that means more than any other quality as an NFL head coach, but it's just such a jo- – I mean, Eddie, Hebron Christian Academy, 20-16, and 16, one playoff win, to now coaching on an NFL Sunday. Like, where's your challenge flag? Where's your headset? Uh, halftime is 12 minutes long. The play clock starts running after every play. Um Time management, like all of these things. I'm not getting even getting into like Monday through Saturday stuff. It's all just, it's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot. Um, now so the one thing, I, the one thing I do want to say here, I know that we're going to throw out the record of 20 and 16 at yeah, yeah, Hebron yeah, yeah. Christian Academy. Right. Like we don't know what kind of talent he was sure, working I, with. Sorry if that came across as me taking a shot at him. I. I, I I know it wasn't, but I was like, that's just me putting that out there for like just anybody in general. Right. Basically what I'm getting at is, and I think Pro Football Talk had the stat yesterday, it's the first hire 
1961 without college or NFL experience. You know, someone tried to make a reference to Mike Vrabel on the show earlier today. I mean, Vrabel coached Ohio State. And he was at um, and Houston. Houston. Um, for, I want to say it was like almost a decade, seven or eight years in those in those two stops. By the way, there are a couple of names I do want to sneak in at the end of the pod. Some just a couple coaching candidate teasers that I'll wait till after Twitter questions I want to sneak in, but... Bringing up Vrabel in Ohio State got me thinking about that. Um, Are you ready for Twitter questions, or you have anything else you want to add here with Saturday? I think I'm ready for Twitter questions. Anything else, Eddie? I don't have anything. Okay, yeah. Let, let, let's let's begin the Twitter questions. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, Andrew has the first. I think we have about a dozen here. Um, I had no idea the tailspin was going to be so fast and so severe. Can you point the press conference in the light of that question, too? Have loved your podcast for years, by the way. Thank you, Andrew. That that means a lot. Um, boy, I'd love to sit down with a therapist and watch that presser. And, and I mean that in all seriousness. Um, I, I just... Like, imagine a coaching candidate around the league watching that. Uh, the vibe was just – it's just awkward, man. Just really awkward. Because you have three guys in three very different roles up there. Yes. That probably is is a big part of the awkwardness. I mean, Ursay's cracking jokes and Ballard. I'm like, God, is Ballard – is he awake? I, like, he's just a can statue we check his pul- Can we check his pulse? Literally. Um, and like you said, he got Saturday up there winking at his wife and – you know, being Mr. Cool, Calm, Collected, and laying back. and Like, I'll never forget the Grigson Pagano presser. I tweeted out the picture of it last night. That was oh, the last I'm sorry. time I'd been in Thank- that building. Why? On Monday night. <laughs> and I'm walking back after that presser, and you know, someone that very high up in the cult organization at that time says to me, we're so effed. <laughs> Those two hate each other. I mean that's right after the presser, you know. Like, yeah. and obviously we saw how it played out. Yeah, Nixon's fired a year later, and Pagano's fired two years later. Like, I, I'm sitting up there last night thinking to myself, honestly, one of my prevailing thoughts, Eddie, if I'm Chris Ballard, I resign. Yeah, that was one of my prevailing thoughts, uh, and maybe he's like, you know what, I'd rather be fired, keep the money. Um, that would be like the ultimate worst thing, though, for Jim Irsay if Chris Ballard resigns, because then it's like, okay, how's that viewed around the league? Exactly. Yeah, I was about yeah. to say if he resigns, then that's a that's a big, big message around the league. And again, I think coaches can fail in certain spots and succeed in others. GMs can. I mean, Bill Polian was fired a couple times. Um, Ballard has got a nice resume. Let's not act like it's some horrific resume. So, you know, if Ballard wants to bet on himself and wants to go to an owner that's a a little bit more hands off. Why not do that? Because in my opinion right now, what this screams is Jeff Saturday will decide Chris Bowers' fate. And that is very awkward Mm -hmm. for him. It's got to be awkward. That's my opinion on the situation. Certainly, that's how he looked at it, or was responding last night uh, with the body language. Uh, Dog is up next. Um, If Jeff Saturday says no and Frank Reich stays until the end of the season, would Chris Ballard and Frank Reich had been let go at the same time. Did Ballard kiss a little ass and throw Frank under the bus to give a little extra time? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I mean, Ballard is back if you believe Ursay publicly. Again, take that for what it's worth. I do think what he said to Ian Rappaport and Chris Mortensen two weeks ago about Frank Reich being safe, that to me is different than what he said last night about Ballard. Mm -hmm. That's my opinion on it. Um, you know, why wouldn't you just fire Ballard yesterday? Yep. I mean, do you need an in-season GM to that that much? Ed Dodds can be your interim. You know, like if you really wanted to, couldn't you have done that? Um, you know, to Ballard and throw Frank under the bus, I I don't necessarily think that. Um, would Ballard and Reich have been let go at the same time? Yeah, I, I still don't feel totally confident. I think if you guys have listened to my vibe throughout the last couple of weeks, I've always felt like Reich would go eventually, and Ballard, I thought, had the potential to stay. And so far, that's what we're seeing. Again, I would tie them at the hip, but I'm not I'm not ready to say that, that this is a Chris Ballard is going to be gone at the end of the year. We'll, we'll, we'll see how it all plays out. Again, I think him internally <laughs> has a decision to make as well, but... 
Um, yeah, I'm very curious to see how that dynamic is going to play out. I think he, I think Dog could be referring from like Carson Wentz. I think that's kind of where the defect, the blame started. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry if I miss. Um, and then one. like from there, it's like everything that's resulted after Wentz is because of Frank's right. decision to bring him in. And again, I, I think there were some times that they disagreed on quarterback prior to that. Um, you know, look at where Nick Sirianni is in Philly. You think Frank Reich had some interest in that quarterback? I don't know. The world may never know. Uh, JT, hey, Kev, question for the inevitable emergency pod. Oh, yeah. Jeez, tell me about it. <laughs> Robert Mathis tweeted that this is all a step to getting Peyton Manning to come back to town and clean things up. Any thoughts on how realistic that could be? Let me clarify, not as a coach, but as a consultant or general manager or something in the front office. Yeah, I think you got to acknowledge the Peyton and Nurse relationship is different. I don't think it's as uh, cordial even, if you will, as Jeff Saturday and Jim Mersey. Um, Peyton's got a pretty good gig, <laughs> you know, clearly loves Denver, um, those aspects to it. Uh, is there ownership stake? You know, again, all of these are skepticism reasons for me. Um, now, obviously, Peyton and Jeff are really close, but, you know, is there an element of too many cooks in the kitchen with that? I mean, don't both of them want to have a lot of control? I, I would think that. I mean, Jeff Saturday and Peyton Manning, That's I guess if Jeff's a coach and Peyton's above the coach, but then do they want that? At some point, you got to fire them. You know, it's not like Peyton and Jeff are going to be the GM and head coach forever. You want to do that to one of your best friends? I think nope. all those things would be weighing on it. Not to mention, again, first time of both. I mean, I know Peyton jokes about it a lot on the Manning cast. He's going from, you know, calling plays for Marshall's flag football team to all of a sudden this. And the, the same step up for Jeff Saturday. Like, I just think we assume that, like, great players become great whatever they want to do. Yeah, it's just not 100 percent a guarantee. Do I think these guys have some qualities that would lead to them being successful? I do. Just like I think Reggie Wayne has qualities that has led to him. I think if he wants to be a successful wideout coach, but not a given. Part of me also thinks, you know, he lives in Denver. He doesn't really have. He doesn't really come back to Indy. So, in my mind here. I feel like if he were to do something within a front office role, I don't think it would be with the Colts. I think it would be with the Broncos. Right. That would be my that would be my first inclination or you we'll know, see, intuition. We'll see the relationship he develops with Rob Walton and then that ownership group. Of course that will play into, you know, some of that as well. Uh flipping again, that's three consecutive pods. Look at that. Hot. Um, is it obvious that Jim Ursay is calling all of the shots at this point? Why would he not go ahead and fire Chris Ballard and give Ed Dodds a chance? Is this a sign he is going to retain Ballard, or is this a lame duck situation? Yeah, it's an awkward situation. That's how I'll put it. I mean, GM's in season. I know we don't see that like a ton. I mean, roster moves are very minimal this time of year, particularly after the trade deadline. Um Part of me did find that a little bit odd, but I think we have to remember, I mean, Jim Irsay hired Chris Boward and called him the greatest hire of the 21st century yep. for a general manager. So I don't think he's going to be just cutting ties with him at the first sign of doubt. I think he's going to give him a longer leash. Um, now that Saturday's involved, though, again, you have Ballard's own thoughts on the situation. I just... I'd be very surprised if we went into next year and it'd be those three men at the same three spot. Obviously, Ursa is going to be there. Um, but Saturday, Saturday and Ballard doing what they're doing this week. Uh, Drew is up next. Do you think the timing of this was planned? Doing all of this the week after the trade deadline, like how many players would be calling their agents today if being traded off the Colts were an option right now? Yeah, the timing planned. No, I don't. I think the embarrassment of Sunday probably played into it. You know, the trade deadline angle. Yeah, I, I do think it was a missed opportunity um, with that. But I think this is multiple weeks in the work. Works again. I'll go back to the Ring of Honor ceremony for Tart Glenn. Hopeless romantic. Jim Mercer looking down on it, saying like, "How do we get back to that? I want somebody to be a part of that." 
Um, I think Jeff Saturday had discussions about this for well past yesterday or Sunday, whenever, Sunday night. Oh, by the way, did you see Julian Blackman's tweet yesterday? Something about Snickers? Yeah, he, he sent that out at 12.11. He said, I need a Snickers. Yeah, I, I don't. Which was approximately an hour before the Jeff Saturday news got out. And about an hour and a half after the Frank Reich. Yeah, I don't know what I read. I I, I don't. I'm not reading too much into that. I know. It just it's just interesting though. Right. Um, Ricky, I believe I'm saying this correctly. Um, will the Colts embrace the tank the rest of the season? Who the hell is going to call plays? Did Chris Ballard build this team to succeed for? For real? I think that's where he's going with this, with FR? For Reich. Ah. Frank Reich. Okay. For Frank Reich. Uh, did Frank Reich do enough uh, with what he was given to this season? My answer to both is a resounding N-O. Right. Yeah, Ballard is at fault, too. Certainly. Um, and you know what? When you think back to kind of the head coaching hires of coordinators, you know, it was all kind of weird. You know, the hiring of Eberflus was Ballard. The hiring of Reich was Ursay. Just kind of all odd. Yep. It wasn't like the smoothest process of, and obviously McDaniel's played a huge part into it. Um, but it almost seemed like even Ballard hired Eberflus for McDaniel's. If you yeah. go back on it, like yeah. Ballard's obsessed with his defense, and I think that's another question you got to think about. Big picture is like if Ballard goes and you overhaul the defense, you have wanted this defense to be very specific to being you know fast and the four three and all that, you know. Are you going to have another defensive overhaul? That overhaul was huge from Grigson to Ballard. That is something, I think, to keep in mind here. Uh, I have about six questions left. Uh, Evan, with the firing of Frank Reich happening just a little over an hour ago, the one question I have is, what will happen to Gus Bradley now? He was brought in as one of the last pieces to what the Colts thought a, quote, Super Bowl caliber team. And while the defense has been good this season, I have to imagine that with a new head coach being brought in this offseason, he gets fired or they, quote, mutually agree to part ways. Thanks. Yeah, I guess I just kind of hinted at a little bit of this, but that's a great question, Evan. I mean, what's your defensive approach moving forward? Chris Ballard is a big believer in that scheme, this system, the four-man front, all those things. Does that continue? What does that look like for your personnel? And just in general, Eddie, this probably goes back to the locker room question. I mean, the locker room has got to be just whispering to each other like, guys, this isn't good. Look around the league. Anytime a new regime takes over a roster, tons and tons of cast-offs happen. Tons of selling, tons of trading, tons of cutting ties. I have no ties to you whatsoever as a player. I didn't draft you. I didn't sign you. I didn't re-sign you. You're not going to fit our system. You make this much money. It'd be a scary time for those guys yeah. in that locker room. A very unknown time um, for them. And I'm probably getting ahead of myself. Like I don't obviously expect anything imminent on that front. But everyone now gets re-evaluated. I mean, for example, Jeff Saturday's comments last night. Now, were they Jim Mercer driven Who knows? But he's already saying Sam Ellinger... And Bernard Ryman. Yep. So Matt Ryan and Nick Foles and Dennis Kelly and I mean those guys, okay, you know, they right now are not at the top of the depth chart, even though in the short term you could argue they are the better options at those spots. So it's just a small snippet of what is coming. Like I think I said on on yesterday's pod, that roster will probably turn over around fifty percent if the Colts make all these changes. Uh, Brian is up next. Does anyone have play calling experience for the Colts? We've already highlighted Scott Milotovich. The answer there is yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think Scotty Montgomery did in college as well. Maybe. Um, Will the Colts? Yeah, he did. Uh, Will the Colts move to a CEO type of setup as in head coach oversees the totality and the offensive coordinator calls the plays? Yeah, I've always been a fan of that. You know, I think when you think about the longest current tenured coaches that have had the most success. AFC is certainly. Um, Belichick and Harbaugh. Belichick and Harbaugh and Tomlin. You yep. know, I know the Steelers aren't having a great year, but obviously that resume is damn impressive. Um, and, you know, I'm curious, I think Andy Reid 
has final influence, but Eric Bieniemy, of course, has a huge role for him as an as an OC as well. Um, I never felt that way about Marcus Brady or even Nick Sirianni, right? Um, here in, in Indy, so I think that is something to keep in mind. Um, and I do want to go back to something I said earlier, Eddie, of just about getting away from that era. Like, you know, IU basketball, they got away from the ba- uh, from the Bobby Knight era right away. Well, after the Mike Davis, you know, tenure, I guess I should say. And they didn't sniff it for, you know, over a decade. And Kelvin Sampson. A lot of people would argue that they should have, you know, gotten back to it. Now they have with Mike Woodson, and we'll see how that goes. So you could look at that and say, Jeff Saturday's the Mike Woodson, <laughs> you know, if you if you want to go that route. Um, it's just, you know, Mike Woodson, a coach in the NBA at a head level. I, you know, I don't, I don't know. You know, it's a big, big jump for Saturday. It's different. Yep. Different, very, very different. Lifestyle, um, all of that. Um, Cameron, does the Jeff Saturday move mean Chris Ballard is gone? Hard to believe this isn't Jim Ursay's decision, and if it was, looks like Chris Ballard is a lame duck general manager. You know, a vibe that I had during that presser yesterday, Eddie, and someone mentioned this to me afterwards, was why did I feel like I just watched 30 minutes of Jim Ursay telling me to kiss the ring? <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I laughed initially, but then I did exactly what, what, what you're doing right now, where you're like, you know what? That's kind of right. Um, you're not in the upper quartile of upper quartiles of upper quartiles. You're in the upper quartile of the bottom quartile <laughs> right now in the NFL. Like, that's where you're at. Um and we've talked a lot about Ballard again resigning those things uh, in my opinion and strictly my opinion I think Jim Mercer is in a bit of a power trip part of his life yeah I think that's what this is the Daniel Snyder uh, uh, a lot of where this is coming from um, and just caught up in the emotion you know he always talks about remember a few weeks ago we, we mentioned like Ursa had those comments to Peter King about you can't you have to be rational and you can't be emotional when you make those decisions for your franchise. So much of this screams emotion for me. So much of it screams emotion. Uh-huh. And again, I'll go back to what I said a little bit earlier. I mean, Jeff Saturday, if he says no, I think Frank Reich's still the head coach here. I want to go back to that Washington game. We got a question about it was Carly Ursay, right? That was on the sideline. Uh huh. Yep, the oldest daughter. Yep. Did not see her last night. I just saw Kaylin Jackson, the youngest daughter, there last night. Do you? I mean, I just find it odd that she'd be down there with a the headset and everything. So, I, I I think it's purely learning. To be you honest, you think so? With you. Yeah. I I don't. I know a lot of people have read a lot into that. I think it's purely just trying to soak it up, be a sponge. I really do. Because the way that now I'm looking at it, just like based off the last two weeks. Okay. She's been down there every week. She has? Yeah. With the headset and everything like yeah. that? And they then, just happened to catch it that week? And then in practice, during training camp, she was out there. She She's out there a lot. Yeah. Okay. I was just grasping for straws there. No, no, no. All good. Uh, Romulus, I am starting to think that some of the blame that Chris Ballard gets is because Frank Reich has a deep conviction that he can win with any players. So when Chris comes to him asking what his offense needs, Frank feels he can get it done with whatever groceries Chris buys. So he gives Gus everything he asks for, and Frank gets what is left. Thoughts? I think this is a really good point to make. Frank Reich should have pressed Chris Ballard more on personnel. I think there was a level of contentment. And again, part of this is Frank Reich's resume of like, I'm the backup quarterback, just tell me when to go in the game and I'll be ready to go. I felt like he had some of that as a head coach of like, hey, give me whatever. I trust you to do your job and we will figure it out. And I think that's why there's there are, I don't even know, I'm going to call it a relationship, but their pairing works so well. Sure. Yeah. I mean, from a relationship standpoint, it's great. You have to have that healthy tension, though, of like, yeah. I can push you. You can listen to me and act on that or push back, and we can have, you know, a very, you know, heated discussion. But at the end of the day, we both realize the roles that we're in. And I understand that Frank doesn't have full control over the personnel. He obviously doesn't. But I just felt like 
that achieving that balance is difficult, but it's necessary in that role of like, you can't just sit here and be like, I think back to the May question I asked Frank Reich in May about the whiteouts. You know, how big are these next couple weeks going to be for signing a veteran whiteout? And Frank's like, I already know what my answer is going to be. I'm going to believe in them. Yep. That's the blind loyalty. That's the stuff that you just you can't have when you're in those positions. Conviction, belief, slap on the back, it's all great. That's nice. But behind a closed door, critical to the nth degree. I think there was one time where I can remember, and feel free to correct me here, where Frank kind of stepped in and it's like, I want this, and he got it, and that was Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman Jr. in that 2020 draft. Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't know this without a doubt, so I even hesitate mentioning it, but I kind of dropped it a little bit earlier on the podcast, and I'm sure some people picked up on it, so I'll say it again. Where was the Jalen Hurts interest at that point of the draft? And did Frank Reich have more than Chris Bauer interest in that area? Yeah. Again, I bring it up for a reason. Yeah. Uh Conroy and Jay are the final two questions. Conroy, sorry I've cooled off a bit, but a serious question. Does Chris Ballard lay in bed at night and think, how does Frank Reich not win with what I put out here? And does Frank lay in bed at night and think, how does Chris expect me to win with what he's giving me? I guess this kind of falls to the last question, Eddie. Again, I think Frank's a little bit more accepting of it. I do. I'm sure both of them have those feelings, as anybody would in those positions, but um, yeah. What the hell is going on? That's from Jay. Jay, it, it's it's a soap opera. It, it's it's dysfunction at the top. Um, again, you just think back to that Titans game just a few weeks ago. I mean, you imagine like proper evaluation for Sam Ellinger right now. Poor guy. <laughs> I mean, doesn't even know his play caller is. Five days out from the game, Frank Reich's gone. Marcus Brady's gone. I, like what? It's just wild. All of it is just so freaking wild. Again, some of the actions I understand, but in the way they went about them, the timing of those actions, um, like sending a message. This is where I'm like, I just kind of feel like sending a message in season falls on deaf ears. First off, the message sent from Mersey is. Remember how good we were from 2000 to 2009. That was the overwhelming message that I got last night. Yes. Secondly, like at the end of the year, firing Frank Reich, fast forward to week one, 2023. I don't think Shaquille Leonard is running out there for the first snap or to force Muckner being like, man, Ursay fired Reich midseason last year. Anything can happen, guys. We got to get ready today. Team on three, one, two, three, team. I just don't think that move midseason does a ton to instilling some sort of difference. Now, again, maybe Saturday walks in and boom, he says this is the culture, but that roster is going to turn over a lot. Can he install that culture in time? Does he instill that? Uh, I don't know, man. So many questions and not enough answers. Um, we're not doing a pod tomorrow, right? We're done. I had one more from Zach. Um, he goes, as crazy as it sounds, are there really any negatives to giving Jeff Saturday this audition? If he fails, oh well, the Colts get a good draft pick. I don't think we need to see Gus Bradley or John Fox for eight games. Zach, I totally understand where you're coming from with that. I do think Bubba Ventrone would have been somewhat interesting to me. Yep. He's a guy that I would have gone to. I would not have gone to Bradley or Fox. He's the one that I would have gone to. And I guess, are there any negatives? The negatives that I would ask... And this falls in line with Jim Irsay meddling a few weeks ago. How does the league and the potential pool of candidates for head coach and GM, how do they react to Indy and to Jim Irsay? Um, there were a lot of people, important people around the league, watching that press conference last night. And that was not a good mm-hmm. reflection on the owner and the current state of the organization. And at, at some level, there's just 32 of these. So these guys are you know, going to get desperate, and they're going to say yes to a job. But if you're weighing a couple of different you know, cities, franchises, at the end of the day, could that be a deciding factor? I think it very well could be. All right, Kevin. Uh, there is a game to be played on Sunday. Dude, I don't even know what to predict. Raiders 23, Colts 13. I, I, I just – I don't even know. But does that sound good? Uh, let me look at something here. What's the line? Six, That's what I'm pulling seven. up. Um, 
Colts Raiders. Uh, according to ESPN, Vegas has an 86% chance at winning via their matchup predictor. Total of 42 and a half. Raiders are six and a half point favorites. Yeah, they don't even know. Max Crosby is going to sack Sam Ellinger a lot. That's probably uh, that's my assessment on things. I'll, I'll go like 24 to six. I mean, oh, I didn't. I tease. I was going to name a couple coaching candidates. Yes. If Chris Boward's involved in this decision, two names I'm keeping an eye on. Steve Wilkes. Uh, Leslie Frazier and Luke Fickle. Um, Leslie Frazier was a finalist back when Reich was hired. Uh, Tony Dungy. On Tony Dungy's staff in 05 and 06, that would be Jeff Saturday involvement as well. Buffalo's defense, I think, doesn't have great talent, but yet they're pretty darn good. Um, So that's a name that I think I would monitor. And Luke Fickle. Um, Ballard. Loves, loves what Luke Fickle's done at Cincinnati. I get the stigma against college coaches with Matt Rule and Chip Kelly, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, I guess. I understand all of that. Um, I'm not acting like this all of a sudden would work out, but the college roommate of Luke, Fick- Luke Fickle, Eddie Garrison? Yes, is M- Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel. Uh, coached together as well. Again, if you're trying to tap into a little bit of Vrabel, is that a name? to keep an eye on uh, the guy that i want to keep an eye on too just one guy steve wilkes they're cro- uh ballard if he is there he and wilkes had a cup of coffee chicago? together in chicago yeah yeah we'll see uh, a lot to get to on that front here in the coming pods thanks guys for bearing with us uh apologize if you hate this content just doing my job but thank you have a great week later